Hello again, Internet. Welcome back to the Sim Geeks podcast. We are your hosts, Will and Dave. And today we are joined by Dr. Naomi Bender and Carrie Gigray, both from Washington State University. And they are going to talk to us about Native American health and the simulation involved in a center that they just opened up. So, uh, Naomi, why don't you go ahead and give us your, your introduction? Tell us who you are, where you came from. Sure. I am you. Good afternoon. Like you said, my name is Naomi Bender. I'm an indigenous Quechua woman, and I'm the director at the Center for Native American Health. Um, I've been working for WSU for about four years now, but I've been working in health and allied health pathways and building programs for almost 20 years. And Carrie? And I'm Carrie Gigray, and I have um, the title Simulation um, Education Specialist, um, and specifically for Indigenous um, peoples. And um, I've worked for the college for four years now, and previous to that, I did probably 15 years of simulation in um, EMS. Yeah, so you actually worked with me before going over to the university. So you were you were one of our flight medics for a long time. And Absolutely. Then, uh, when when you departed, it was about four years ago, wasn't that what you just said? Yeah. It, yeah it's been yeah. it's been about four years. I, can, I have to think about what house I was in at the time because we moved a couple of times right. since then. Um, but <laughs> but true. my my favorite story about you leaving is I was one of your references for this position, and I, and I was just telling you guys about this a minute ago. Uh, when you left, they called me for a reference. And what I thought was going to be like a, hey, five-minute thing. How do you know this person? Do you really, you know, is this, are you real kind of thing? Turned into a 30-minute, like, completely grilling interview where they just asked me anything and everything I could possibly know about you. Uh, and it just one question after the next. What's her experience? What's that? And all I want to be is like, can you not just read the resume, right? Can you not just look at the application? <laughs> so what you're saying is this is payback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, here we are. Turn. We're going to put you on the spot. Well, great. So take I'm just us curious, through. Did they oh. ask you for my allergies, past medical history, <laughs> those kind of things? I mean, uh. I mean, at the, at the end of that interview, I'm pretty sure I was just like racking my brain for everything we had ever done together. So I could be like, well, one time I had her fly to Omaha and reorganize the Sim Center because we had people people coming through to see it. Like. Right. <laughs> One time in band camp. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. So talk to us about this center you guys just opened. Obviously, you know, you see, as a Native American woman, this is probably, you know, very important to you. So run through, how did this get started? How did we get to where you are now? Um, well, first of all, I want to say that I came from... Um, before WCU is at one of the in, um, institutions in the United States that is highly regarded as one of the best institutions to help bring in Native American students in the areas of medicine, nursing, and other allied health sciences at UND. So I was at the University of North Dakota School of Medicine and Health Sciences at the Indians in a Medicine program. And that program's been around for 50 years now um, to help meet the, the um, health disparity needs of Native peoples in that region, but also across the U.S. Um, so I built a lot of programs there over the years and did a lot of work in simulation, um, in that space and although we didn't have a center there or an indigenous sim space when i came to washington state i worked a lot with tribes and community and during the pandemic we had built the center for native american health um so behind closed doors when everybody's home we had just received uh, funding from a local foundation called the empire health foundation to really build um what were you know a space and a place where native students and non-native students could come and learn about native histories health trends current context and how to better serve and treat tribal communities in health spaces um, really towards health equity and in that space there are student spaces there's tribal community spaces and I had some leftover funding and after all the years of my work I think some of the things that have bothered me the most is that when we're seeing some of the care that's happening in tribal communities in real time many of the health disparities um, 
not just in my opinion, but research shows us that um, there are provider um, perpetuated health disparities that happen due to racism. And, and all of us, it doesn't matter who we are, uh, Native, non-Native people have implicit biases. But when we walk into health spaces, and as Native people, we look at these spaces, whether it's a clinic or in our backyard where we're healing, these are sacred spaces. But when we walk in these spaces and... Um, the providers or nurses or whoever work with us may may not recognize who we come from or come from our whole being and how we view health. Um, maybe that relational trust isn't built. Maybe they're walking in with other types of biases. They don't understand our histories, our current context, the social determinants of health that got us into that space, the lack of access to, to support our health. Um, those problems um, happen in spaces like that and can oftentimes determine whether or not we get treated or mistreated. Um, and so to me, higher ed has the, the responsibility and the duty from the very get-go to be teaching students before we send them out into the healthcare space, before we send them out into clinicals and work with real people in a safe, harm reductive environment such as simulation. And instead of just teaching clinical skills so that we can hone in on those that clinical knowledge, which is so important from a Western medicine perspective, we have to make sure students understand those, of course. We also need to help students understand how to actually treat patients and speak to patients and treat patients. So it's really, and um, this indigenous clinical space is a space towards health equity. It's to provide a space where that clinical knowledge, that Western lens is being balanced and at par with our traditional understandings and perspectives as native people. And it's a place where we can have the freedom to talk about our implicit biases coming in. So for example, if somebody walked in and they said, oh, I'm, I'm, I see you have increased liver enzymes. And the assumption by a provider may be that that the native patient is an alcoholic, which by the way is one of our case studies that has happened over and over again to our native people. And that's actually not the case for the, the standardized patient case that that was written about. That's problematic. This person was dismissed. This person never came back to that doctor and sought help somewhere else, but by that time had multiple complications with what they did have wrong with their liver. So our work is to help really educate the current and the future healthcare workforce to better treat our people. Yeah, I, and Carrie and I both spent significant amounts of time in Wyoming over the years, and you're, you're absolutely right. There are, you know, Wyoming's got a high native population, and there, there is a, a lot of implicit bias and a lot of stereotypes that are rehashed throughout, the, you know, I can speak for EMS specifically, but throughout the EMS community. Definitely. And so Naomi was kind enough to invite me to um, basically be the simulation consult on this. And so we've been working together for the last two years with a healers cohort of individuals that are community members. They're all, a good chunk of them are tribal members. And so they're providers, allied health, nurses, indigenous healers, medicine men and community that are driving this forward. So essentially what I'm doing is taking the healthcare simulation best practices, kind of turning them on, you know, like turning them around and implementing the best practices, but also utilizing culture and the indigenous ways of knowing and the different things that they have to offer that we may not be aware of in Western medicine. You know, so 
things like plant medicine and food medicine and various different things. So we're really, what we're doing is we're taking these created simulations and all of our created simulations right now are from individuals that we know that had this happen. And so we're putting the culture pieces into it so that they can understand so that the students or the professionals as well, because we don't want to just limit this to students. We want to expand it to everybody. And so really it's about teaching that culture piece. So one of our simulations has to do with plant medicine. And so we create a wound that has to be excised and, you know, the gross stuff taken out. And then it's created as a 48-hour follow-up and we have plant medicine that is on that wound and then we just see what the students do they unwrap it they look at it and it looks healthy and and some students will ask questions about it and some students will go what's that green stuff and then other students won't do anything and then so when we sit down and debrief we try to figure out what is that learner's frame like why did they choose to ask the questions or why did they choose not to ask the questions? And then we do some sort of learning about that. So a particular plant that um, some people might call a nature's band-aid is called plantain. It's not like the banana, okay? It's uh, um, what most people would call a weed. And we actually would use that and teach them how to make a plantain dressing basically or those kind of things and it gives that opportunity for the psychologically safe space to be there and then the students or the professionals can just ask questions to the indigenous providers and they can get the perspective of both being an indigenous person walking those that line between indigenous and western medicine because that's what they're doing as a provider whether it's you know an EMT or a paramedic or a nurse or a physician or a naturopathic doctor you know so that's what we're trying to do is meld them together to create patient-centric care, not patient care. So. so you guys are in Spokane, right? So you're in the far northwest corner of the United States. But we have, we have native populations throughout the entire country, and we have significant pockets in several places, right? You have the Eastern Band in Tennessee. You've got the Cherokee uh, in, you know, in Oklahoma. You bounce around a lot. How do others replicate what you've done to bring this idea to open a center what what are your lessons that you've learned along the way of things that maybe some mistakes you made but definitely the successes you've had how do, how do others create centers like what you've created in other areas of high native populations well this, this is a really good question we just presented yesterday and i was asking the crowd and audience members who came why they wanted to come to our presentation a couple of them one in particular from canada is now beginning some indigenous sim and so they they wanted to just focus because they don't have a center right like you can write case you know case scenarios it can you can create an indigenous case scenario easily but it's probably sitting inside another medical or nursing simulation center that belongs to a college um where ours is right within our center and and so i'm going to say a couple things great question i'm going to back it up with the fact that when I decided that um, I really wanted to see the simulation, first it started with the simulation room and now it's gonna blow up into a center. We've received more funding, so we're gonna have expansive spaces. Um, I worked with tribal healers and elders and this cohort, there's about 14 of us. Um, 
These are all tribal dogs and folks that work in the state of Washington or in that area. So I'm working with tribal community members that serve the people in our state and in our region. Um, now, could I get the voice of people across the United States? Sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm working for WCU and I serve the tribes of that region. And so your question lends itself to that whole point. When we think of community, especially like um, you know health equity inside communities, it should be alongside and with community. Most spaces in higher education, I would say, and venture to go as far as say medical education altogether, really, I would say, has premised itself for years on building its own ways of building their sciences, their biomedical sciences, their own curricula, their own accreditation standards and everything else. But when you think about the type of way that we teach providers and other healthcare workers to work in patient-centered spaces, where does that often happen? You know, we're all sitting here talking about simulation. We know it can happen there, but what if we're not doing it with an alongside community, right? And it's not just about a standardized patient that comes from community. So having said that, we worked with community members, and now that we're expanding the space to an additional, like, somewhere in, like, an, an additional 1,500 square feet, maybe more, we're working with several tribal community members. We're asking elders to come to our space. If you wanted to come into the space and even like tell your story from our sim space and zoom it out into the world so that other um, health students can learn from across the state or even um, native youth who wanna maybe one day become a physician, that sim space has multi-purposes. What I tell other universities or folks that were asking even yesterday is, you know, begin working with your tribes. Begin working with your tribal community. It's incumbent upon universities to recognize, as far as I'm concerned, the sovereignty of our tribal nations. And that sovereignty comes with us respecting them about their voice and their say. WSU happens to, in Spokane Health Sciences, sits and occupies on the traditional homelands of the Spokane Tribe of Indians. And we've worked with them um, to help implement some of their history inside our center. Um, we also have representatives of theirs on our tribal advisory board. We have a tribal advisory board to our Native American Health Sciences. So I would encourage a university that wanted to do something like this to, to have meaningful and consistent and sustainable efforts with tribes. It can't be a check the box, it can't be a one-off. You're talking about a really long-term commitment to the people. And if that's really what a school would wanna do, it first and foremost has to start with relationships. You can't just drive a center and say, we're gonna throw this up and they will come. That's not how it works. This center was carefully thought out and worked alongside with tribes and they have been with me and our department all along the way. I've only been there for four years, but it has been community that has helped really, truly support this work. And so they're helping lend into some of our case scenarios. They're deciding what the floor is. They've, they're deciding the lighting in the room. Our elders are saying, you know, I don't like how bright the lights are. And so if I want to tell my story, because we speak through story, right, in that space, if I have an elder teaching medical students and we're in a debriefing space after they've come in and they've worked with an elder standardized patient and he wants to share a story, you know, one of them said, I want to be able to turn the lights down. They bother my eyes. And so our sim space has dimmable lighting in it. The floor is cedar, which is a cedar is um, one of our wood um, 
trees in the Pacific Northwest and is often used to make cedar hats. Cedar's used constantly and abundantly throughout our tribes to make many different tools and utilities for our tribe and tribal people, but it's also sacred to our people in the Pacific Northwest. And so is salmon. And so the color of the floor is kind of this red, reddish kind of tone. And they chose, the elders and our, our tribal folks chose that color specifically. Also inside that space, they wanted to have healing modalities, which are some healing bundles like sage and sweetgrass and cedar. They want plateau tribe and Salish tribal art inside that space. So, it, you know, if I were just doing this, it wouldn't look or feel like it does in there. We wouldn't be doing the work we're doing and we're learning along the way. I mean, when we say we're a first in the nation, there's so much to this and there's so much learning process. And this is why it's so important to have Carrie because we're not trying to rebuild what the Western medical curriculum or nursing curriculum sim space has created. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to mimic what's in the building two doors down from ours at the College of Medicine, Nursing, or even their pharmacy simulation. Ours is very unique and it serves us a unique purpose. We, we feel very blessed and fortunate to have her because she has, not just in, with her education, but with all of her, her life experiences, and of course, she's learning along the way. She's learning a lot from our indigenous healers, but truly that balance of simulation and how it can be utilized in other meaningful ways that I don't think simulation has considered really in the past. I would agree with that, you know, that it's, it's difficult, but I think it's necessary because, you know, indigenous people have the lowest health outcomes of all races, period. And that's not right. They are keepers of the land before my generations of life were here. And for me, being a non-native, it's really about helping people who don't have a voice and being able to really help Naomi elevate her work and what she's doing, but ultimately help change the way that providers, whomever they are, those healthcare providers, enter into an exam room and talk to somebody. And this is easily replicated across all types of... I would say communities and demographics of patients served. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think this can link, when we look at, and I've said this before, I think when we look at patients served, right, in simulations, you could, you could feasibly create a simulation space that's meant to serve many different types of folks, right? The LGBTQ community, indigenous people, black African-American people, people who often, quite often, actually are mistreated in the health system. Well, and I think the biggest point that I've taken from this, you know, into your, what you've explained already, is there is no one answer to this. It doesn't sound like you can take what you guys have done and put it anywhere else. It has to be built specific to each community it's put into, um, which is a very easy thing for me to say, but it's an almost impossible thing for me to wrap my head around and actually understand. Like everything that you're that you're describing, there, like, I, there's no one answer. There's no good answer for how do we keep doing this. It's got to be done at the individual level. This, so you guys are here talking about it here. You're telling us about it, um, but you know, like you said, all the students in your class yesterday, they can leave there with some really, really good ideas, some really deep understanding, but they still can't just take what you guys did and go home and do it. Like, well, yeah, and they shouldn't, for sure. <laughs> they, they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think 
I think there's a, a really meaningful way that we could work with many other people like yesterday. One of the things that I was learning by listening to everybody and why they wanted to listen is they're writing these indigenous case scenarios and they wanted to hear how we built our center and what we're doing. And I just, I asked for everybody's emails. Is there anybody that's interested in, in, in building an international cohort towards um, building indigenous best practices towards simulation? Because that doesn't exist. And if we're going to do it, I mean, we want to share, right? The point is to share. Like, if we're going to be a benchmark for the nation, we want to work with so many other people to take it to their communities. What we're doing shouldn't just impact tribes and healthcare workers in the state of Washington. This should impact across the world. There's indigenous people all over. And so I think it's really important that, to me, there is a way and a means to create a framework, I think, around this, sort of like a to-do sort of thing like we were discussing about definitely working with community but I also think there's different ways in building policy like right now her and I are working Carrie and I are working on writing policy for the simulation center is it my goal right now to get it accredited no but is that something that can potentially happen yes can I see that happening sure but my goal isn't for that my goal is to truly change I want to change the way our people are treated when they walk out that door, when they walk across the stage and they go into a healthcare system, I want to see an effect change. I have to admit, this is probably one of the deepest things that we've done on here. I'm actually really impressed. So I, oh, okay. Yeah, we. Well, uh, that's this, good. No, this is really good. I mean, we're, we're you know we tend to be a little lighthearted. We take a really light approach to things, but this is this is fantastic. Just just listening to you guys, you know, like I've known Carrie for forever. Yeah. Uh, and I remember you reaching out to me a couple of years ago when you guys were starting on this and talking about virtual reality and how that may get played into it. And I don't mm-hmm. think we ever even made it that far into that conversation. But yeah. Uh, you you guys have. I mean, you've just done a shitload of work since then, and you've come a really long way. So I'm just completely blown away by the work that you guys are doing. Well, thanks for inviting us. This has been fun. We thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, uh, before we tap out, I always try to do this for everyone. Do you have any parting thoughts, any any words of wisdom, anything you want to share to people that listen to the SimGeeks podcast? I think I'm going to say that... If you're interested in doing this work, you have to take an inward look at yourself and see what really drives your heart, your soul, and your mind around this. Because although I've learned so much, it's, it's like that good feeling. And at the conference on our first speaker, you know, he was talking about all of those tick boxes. For me, that's what this work does. It's helping not only my work as a healthcare provider to help other people because that's what we get in that for. And I'm hopeful that even you can create that ripple effect that goes out and change all of these horrible things that have happened to indigenous people. I would say that I'm not really good at staying in my lane. (laughs) I have learned over the years that I would tell people be brave. And I say that because I think we all get really fixated and used to our like our world around us and how things are done in simulation and how things are done in higher education and how things are done in medical education. And we think what's the next best, you know, biggest trend. And right now it's health equity. Health equity is huge. Health justice and belonging and health equity is huge. But 
I sit there and ask myself, how has this not been part of a curriculum or been part of our world? We think of 500 years of our tribes being mistreated and things um, by our government and some of the things that have happened and transpired in the United States. The onus is on us as individuals and as communities and institutions. And if we can impact and make change, I mean, sometimes it takes one voice, sometimes it takes a hundred, but I would just encourage people out there to, you get an idea, get good people around you. And I think when that happens and you work with community, your work will go far. Do not do work in siloed efforts. They do not. It just doesn't work. Community is where it's at. And that's why I say I never stay in my lane. I'm always, I'm always out there and everyone else's. <laughs> Well, guys, I'm glad we were able to sit down and do this. I mean, we've been talking about it for a few days. We weren't sure if it was going to happen before we all had to fly home, if we're going to try and do it remotely later. But just being able to do this in person, I think, is is really added to it. So at least from this side, I don't know if that will come through in the recording, but we'll find out. Uh, But thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you guys for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, guys. So for the Same Geeks podcast, my name is David. And I'm Will. And we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. 